Herzlich willkommen to the Syncopated Sisters. This podcast will celebrate and highlight the women who were active in the creation and development of blues and jazz. You will hear about female musicians, composers, bandleaders and more. There will also be interviews with female artists from the jazz and swing scenes of today. I'm Nina Thaler from Berlin, host and creator of the series. Enjoy listening. The artist presented in this episode is Mary Lou Williams. It's going to be hard to summarize her output, and I definitely not cover everything worth saying about her. But here we go. Mary Lou Williams was an Afro-American pianist, composer and arranger, and one of the leading piano players within the group of swinging pianists in the 1930s. At the time of her death, Mary Lou Williams was the most well-known and honored black female jazz musician. She became a leading advocate for jazz, also dedicated to teaching young African Americans about their rich musical heritage. It seems that nowadays many people do know of her and that later on in her life she was a mentor for a number of bebop musicians. She wrote more than 350 compositions, but most people can't really name any of them. Still today, her compositions are not played very often. Her musical output is understudied and underperformed, according to one of her biographers, Diana Wiskowski, herself a pianist and composer. A look at Mary Lou Williams' career offers a very interesting path through music history. She was able to play piano styles from ragtime to boogie-woogie, swing to bop, in addition to religious music. She composed wonderful masses, including Mary Lou's Mass, digging into all styles and modes of music that she developed during her lifetime. And she became a remarkable figure in the history of jazz in her own right. She reflected in 1977, I never thought about anything but the music inside of me. I guess what happened to me was really unusual for a woman, as during that time, a woman was supposed to stay home in the kitchen. She was initially inspired by another female pianist, Lovi Austin. Here is a famous quote. I remember seeing that great woman sitting in the pit and conducting a group of five or six men, her legs crossed, a cigarette in her mouth, playing the show with her left hand and writing music for the next act with her right. My entire concept was based on the few times I was around Lovi Austin. It turned out that she had a similar period in her own life, whilst touring with Andy Kirk's band later in her career. More about that soon. Mary Lou Williams was a spiritual person and she strongly believed in the power of music to heal. I am very impressed by her musical output and her life story, and I am not done diving into her music and reading about her. Mary Lou Williams, born as 
Mary Alfreda Scruggs, was born in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1910. Her father left the family shortly after her birth. She and her mother and other family members moved to Pittsburgh when she was around four, as part of the Great Migration that started in the early 1900s. Black people from the rural South moved up north, hoping to find better living conditions in the more industrialized areas. Her mother was much into music herself and also played a lot of piano at home. She first taught her daughter how to play, recognizing and encouraging her daughter's talent from the beginning. Her stepfather and uncle encouraged Mary to play for pocket money and to support the family. They also encouraged her to play for the neighbors, who were pretty soon calling for her to entertain them. She recalls, From the age of six until I was 14, I was all over the city playing. I became the little piano girl of East Liberty. She played for black neighborhoods, but also for wealthier white people. An article on womenshistory.org says that when they first moved into the neighborhood, the family was confronted with racism from white families. This stopped after they found out about Mary Lou Williams' talent and her willingness to play within the neighborhood. Soon they began requesting for her to play for them too. Her talent also received recognition and support within the professional music scene in and around the Midwest. She received her musical education at Westinghouse Junior High School, where some other jazz legends gained their knowledge. Mary Lou Williams also said that she learned a lot by listening to famous musicians, such as Jelly Roll Morton, Earl Hines and Fats Waller. The piano girl of East Liberty was a prodigy. If she had been white, she probably would have become a classical concert pianist. But Mary Lou Williams was black, poor and in need of immediate employment, Linda Dahl writes. So Mary Lou Williams was already traveling for shows in her teenage years in order to support her family. She played at black vaudeville circuits and shows under pretty harsh conditions, especially for a woman. It was here she also got in touch with rather unpleasant men. That period she later called a terrible life. But she kept her head and her spirit up. In 1925, age 15, she was on the road full-time with a traveling show, Buzzin Harris. One of the band members was baritone saxophone player John Williams. John and Mary Lou got married in 1926 or 1927, depending on various sources. They stayed briefly in Memphis, then Oklahoma City, and after a while, they settled in Kansas City. John was a member of the Dark Clouds of Joy Orchestra. The band was soon to be known as Andy Kirk's Twelve Clouds of Joy, a regional black band of the pre-swing era in the late 1920s, playing roadhouses, dance halls, saloons. They gained more and more recognition. In the end, it was Mary Lou Williams who made the band popular for their riff and blues format, through her compositions and arrangements. But by 1928, she was still not part of the official lineup of the band. She served as a driver for them. Yes, indeed, she did. And once in a while, she was called on the bandstand. She recalls, I'd wait outside ballrooms in the car, 
And if things went bad and people weren't dancing, they would send somebody to get me and I'd go in and play Froggy Bottom or some other boogie-woogie number and things would jump. She also later reflected, it may have been that they didn't want a woman in the band because women during that era were not really allowed to be in with a group of men. That made people scream and carry on because they saw a woman that weighed about 90 pounds to hear me play so heavy like a man. That was something else. Around 1929, 12 clouds of joy settled in Kansas City. Lots of opportunities for work popped up for musicians during the time of prohibition, where neighborhoods were run by politicians and gangsters and the town open for gambling, drinking and all kinds of vices. Mary Lou Williams was much in demand and played with many legendary players at that time. She still didn't regularly play in the Twelve Clouds before 1931, but appeared on some of their recordings for Brunswick Records. On one occasion, the original piano player hadn't show up for the recording, so she filled in, and the record label later insisted to have her play on other recordings. From 1931 onwards, she became the band's solo pianist, writer and arranger. Mary Lou Williams worked with Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Earl Hines, Tommy Dorsey, Benny Goodman, you name it. But she never committed exclusively to anyone and preferred to work freelance. She had an immense output, writing for half a dozen bands every week during that period. She was also writing whilst on the tour bus. She earned very little money at the beginning, not knowing much about copyrights, therefore missing out on potential royalties. As Kirk's 12 Clouds gained more and more popularity, Mary Lou Williams' interest in that style of music and that kind of road life began to fade. She felt limited in her playing by having to play as expected. In 1942, she left the clouds and also divorced her husband. She settled in Harlem, New York, where she formed a new band with drummer Art Blakey. She remarried in 1943 to trumpeter Harold Shorty Baker, with whom she arranged for Duke Ellington's band. Side note, Duke Ellington never hired a female player for his band, nor did Count Basie. Imagine that. But soon she moved on to a different phase of her career. Especially in New York, musicians worked out exciting advanced approaches to playing, without adhering to commercial considerations. For Mary Lou Williams, the bop music was refreshing and needed. Linda Dahl writes, The more she experimented, the more she felt the rift between the demands of entertainment and her need to grow as a musician. End of quote. Bebop players, such as Thelonious Monk, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Paul, became important in her life. And her New York apartment was a meeting point for jams and exchange. It was during these times she wrote a lot of modern jazz compositions, such as the series of pieces The Zodiac Suite. But in general, there were few opportunities to play bebop music or swing in the USA. That was one of the reasons she traveled to Europe, where she felt her music was more appreciated. 
But there she also experienced that music was being dominated by the market's expectations. She stopped playing in 1954. I was bitter that nobody seemed to care about good music, she said. Other sources claim it was also because of physical and mental exhaustion. She converted to Roman Catholicism in 1957. Very active in her community, she worked, for example, for street people, especially musicians who struggled with problems of drug addictions or illness. Her apartment, where she hosted jam sessions in the past, now turned into a resting home and soup kitchen. She established the Bel Canto Foundation to aid rehabilitation of musicians in need, financed by a thrift shop and earnings from her own record company, Mary Records, which she founded in 1964. By the early 60s, she began playing more regularly again, primarily compositions with spiritual or religious content. As I said before, she composed wonderful masses. Coming to an end, I would love to highlight that Mary Lou Williams strongly believed that jazz could be played everywhere, in the club, at the community center, in schools, on the sidewalk, in church. She continued to play and to experiment with all aspects of the jazz literature. She was flexible in her playing, from traditional to avant-garde. She appeared on many radio and television shows and was active as both a musician and an educator. In 1970, she recorded an album with music and speech called History of Jazz to educate listeners about the evolution of jazz. As certain jazz styles gained popularity, she felt the urge to underline that jazz's African-American heritage should not be erased. Mary Lou Williams remained active until the final days of her life. In 1981, She died of cancer, aged 71. She left behind a lot of music to explore. I'm off, doing exactly that, getting lost in millions of clouds of joy. As with all productions, this podcast could only be realized because of a team. In this case, a wonderful group of female distributors and supporters. Thank you all for encouragement, help and advice. Special thanks go out to Anne Borchers for playing the bass, Andrea Ramirez Ruiz for the visuals, Zoe Langdell for mother tongue support and François Perdriou for mixing and mastering. This podcast is part of the Swinging Europe Network and co-funded by the European Union. Thank you for listening. If you have any kind of feedback you want to share, be it a suggestion for another female musician to be represented here, something you feel that is missing, you want to discuss, whatever it is, feel free to reach out to me via email to nina at syncopation.de And remember, every day is Women's Day. Yes, babes. Bye-bye and Tschüssikowski.